Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. borders God has given them. And it's interesting that Israel, even as we get through the book of Joshua, they never inherit the land that God had given them. They get in and they start and they don't finish the job. They do, they get and they they get involved with the inhabitants of the land, which God told them not to do because there'd be consequences for those things. Worshiping the false gods of those nations that they were going to dispossess. Stay away from that. Don't touch that, God tells them. And what do they do? They get in there and they, have, they run into trouble. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, God tells the Israelites, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Welcome to our Bible study for today. As we continue in the book of Joshua, we learn that the Israelites were given this land promised to them, but they had to claim it. God certainly could have simply eliminated all the enemies with a mere thought, but he called Israel into partnership with himself to see his will done. As followers of Jesus Christ, we too are called to partner with God and live within his will. And now, let's join Pastor Rob in Joshua chapter 1 for today's study. What a wonderful title. Can you imagine God giving you that title? And this is God speaking. (laughs) After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And you know, if you back up one page to the last part of Deuteronomy, this particular passage in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy is really a great link between Deuteronomy and Joshua because of this. Let me just read it to you. Because notice, it says, the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And if you look at chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, beginning in verse 1, it says that Moses... So this is is the link to get us from Deuteronomy to Joshua. This is the link. This is what brings it all into cohesiveness, if you will. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And Jericho is on which side of the Jordan River? Is it on the west or the east side? It's on the west side, right? And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, 
the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants, and I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. And here's the verse that links us to Joshua. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. And so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, and for Moses had laid his hands on him, and so the children of Israel heeded him, as did the Lord had commanded, or um, and, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so we see this wonderful transition from this man. And I don't know about you, but I, I, transitions are, they can be smooth, they can go, they can be difficult. And you know, even in our own fellowship just last year, it's been a little over a year now, you know, Pastor Jeff moving onward and, and me coming into that place. And you know, it really was a, a good thing. It, was a, it, was, it went smoothly. There wasn't some tragedy that happened that forced us upon. The Lord spoke and the Lord did these things and he worked everything out. And all of you were praying. It was a beautiful thing. And the same thing here with Joshua and Moses. There's a passing of the mantle. So God tells him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And I love the idea that there's a phrase that I love. It's in a song. It says, you can kill the workmen, but the work goes on. Moses may die, but guess what? God is not finished. God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. He sets down one and he raises up another. And God does that. And that's God's business. And and the reasons that he does that is, is a mystery, really. Even in our own country, one president goes down, another one rises up. And we don't always understand the bigger picture. But God, all the while in the background, is working behind the scenes. And he's allowing men to make their own decisions. He's not a puppet master. He doesn't make anybody do anything. But God has an unfair advantage of knowing all things. He knows all things. But notice, the land belongs to the Lord. The land that God was going to give them, it belongs to him. Remember in Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. That means that the Lord, he, he owns the world. He created it. He spoke it into existence. He has the right, doesn't he, as, as creator to say that's mine. And there's this little sliver of land about the size of Rhode Island. <laughs> about the same square footage, square miles as as Rhode Island. And God says, I'm just going to give this little piece that nobody cares about. I'm going to give this to the, the, to the Jews. And I'm going to set my throne in there. I'm going to set my, put my name there. He didn't choose Russia. He didn't choose America. He didn't choose Antarctica. Thank you, Jesus. He'd have a bunch of penguins offering up sacrifices. Not being sacrificed, but offering up the sacrifices. And what lamb would be caught dead in Antarctica? So God, he knows all things. He owns the land. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 25, God says this. He says, the land shall not be sold. Speaking of Israel, the land shall not be sold permanently. This is Leviticus 25 verse 23. 
The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. God owns it. He can give it to whoever he chooses. And he gave it to the Jews. And for those who would say, well, what about, the, what about Esau? Well, guess what? He blessed him too. He gave him, he prophesied and gave him many, a big chunk of land, a huge chunk of land, bigger than Israel. And out of Esau came dukes and, and, and very powerful men. They, they're not, God gave them a lot. He gave them even more, I think. But notice, every place, verse 3, that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon. So the, the wilderness, all the way down in the southern part of Israel, down there in the Negev, all the way to Lebanon, as far as the great river, going all the way over east, farther east, to the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, that's, and that's everything in between, and the great sea going, to, going down the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So he's speaking again of the Mediterranean. These borders, God has given them. And it's interesting that Israel, even as we get through the book of Joshua, they never inherit the land that God had given them. They get in and they start and they don't finish the job. They, do, they, get, and they, they get involved with the inhabitants of the land, which God told them not to do because there would be consequences for those things. Worshiping the false gods of those nations that they were going to dispossess. Stay away from that. Don't touch that, God tells them. And what do they do? They get in there and they, have, they run into trouble. And you know, you and I would have done the same thing. I'm never too hard on the the people in the Bible because given the opportunity and the right amount of pressure, I'd do the same thing and probably even worse. But he tells them, but they never laid claim to the entire land that God had given to them. And they haven't yet, even today. And that's why there's such a big problem with the land of Israel. Why do you think that Benjamin Netanyahu is such a, a... He's just, he's sticking to his guns. He's not going to give any land to anybody. Why is that? Because God gave it to them. He's not going to give anything away. He doesn't want to give anything away. Because the land belongs to them, and they know exactly what they need to do to protect themselves. They're not going to give any land that's strategically important to the enemy. And believe me, they've tried. They've tried to give them land. And it only worked out to them, the enemy throwing bombs into them. They still do it to this day. Israel are, is not the instigator of all Israel's problems. They're not a perfect people. But usually they're always responding to what the enemy is trying to do. And that's the way it's been. So they still haven't attained this land. In fact, they won't until the millennial reign of Christ. In the millennium, you can look at Zechariah chapter 8, or you can look at Amos chapter 9 verses 11 through 15, or even Jeremiah 16, verses 14 and 15. You look at those chapters, and you can see where they are going to finally inherit that land in the millennial reign of Christ. They are going to own and and be a part of all of that. But notice in verse 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you. So God, again, speaking to Joshua, No man's going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not leave you nor forsake you. Aren't you glad that Jesus is Emmanuel, that he is God with us? He's not some, you know, can you imagine if if his name was Emmanuel or something like that? God not with us. I don't know what that name would be. I'm just making something up. And wouldn't it be funny if it really came out to be that way? I'm just making something up. Emmanuel. You know, it sounds like some kind of dance. Uh, Instead of a minuet, Emmanuel. Um, But he's God with us. He's not God outside of us. He's He's not the God that doesn't care about us. No, he's very intimate with you. He loves you. 
Aren't you glad that you're loved by a God who spoke it all, who knows everything? You can't, he can't learn anything. Doesn't that just jazz you? I love it. I love the fact that he can't learn anything. He can't learn a single thing. The moment he learns anything, he ceases to be Almighty God. We, however, are finite beings. He is infinite. He knows mysteries that man can't even comprehend. We don't even know. It's amazing how great and glorious and how wonderful, perfect and holy and just he is. I tell you what, the eons, millions of years are going to transpire and we're still going to be scratching the surface and we'll never figure him out. We will always be with our mouth scraping the sand as we stand in front of him with our jaw hitting the ground, collecting dust. Because our mouth can't believe that you're really that awesome. Are you really that awesome, God? And he'll just smile. And we won't even have a clue of the infiniteness of him. That's where worship begins. When you figure God out, you cease to worship him. When you think you've got him figured out, you cease to worship him. But when he is more than you can possibly imagine, when even the biblical writers, as as John in Revelation, tried to describe him with English terms, or with, in his language, Greek as he tried to describe him in, 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 in language, it's impossible. He had to use phrases like, and his eyes were like as flames of fire. His hair was like lightning. He, you know, he's just trying to compare it to something, but he, he's grasping for the nouns. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this. It's like this, but it's so much cooler than that. That's how awesome he is. But he will never leave you. God's saying that to Joshua. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound like what Jesus said in Matthew 28? When he said, um, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is he with you even to the end of the age? Is he with you tonight? Was he with you before you came in? I hope so. Because even if you don't recognize that he's there, guess what? If you're a Christian, he's with you. You may not notice him, but we need to remember that God is with us all the time. And boy, that ought to change my attitude. Boy, that ought to change some of the things I say, some of the things I do when no one else is around. To remember that God sees. I can fool everybody else. I can fool man. I can fool my parents, even my own wife and my daughter. I can fool everybody. And I can seem to hide from every eye, but there's one eye that's bigger that can see my motives behind such things. Who knows what I'm going to do next week? The very word that I'm going to speak at 7.35 in the evening, 35 years from now, should he tarry? And I hope he doesn't. He knows the exact sentence I'm going to be speaking. If he wanted, he could tell me right now. Rob, you're going to be talking about something really foolish at this time. (laughs) But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He goes on in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as inheritance to the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. And as we get into the book of Joshua, we're going to see that from really chapter 6 through chapter 12, we're going to see uh, the Israelites going into battle. We're going to see them going into Jericho. That's the first city they're going to see as soon as they cross the Jordan. They're going to attack Jericho. And then they're going to go to Ai, and they're going to learn some really hard lessons. And then they're going to conquer a lot of kings and a lot of territory. They don't finish the job, but they're going to start it. And then in chapter 13 through chapter 22, we're going to see Joshua 
dividing the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, up into 12 different parcels for the 12 tribes for them to settle in, knowing well that on the east side of the Jordan, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh are over there on the east side. He said, be strong and of a good courage. And in verse 7, he says, only be strong and very courageous. There it is again, that you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. You know, the same struggle that was before Joshua, going taking this people into a land where there's going to be battles, was very similar, if you think of it, to Moses. What did Moses, what was the crisis on Moses' hands as soon as he got them out of Egypt? They got to the Red Sea, and now they're, they're, because of the narrow pathway that they had to get to get to that uh, Nueva Beach, which we call it today, there's a narrow path that gets in there. And once you're out on that little platform of sand, there's no way of going back. Anybody coming behind you, your goose is cooked. So God tells Moses, stretch out your rod. He goes across. He goes across. And that was... Moses' big trial. There were many others to follow, but that was huge. And Joshua's facing a similar thing. So is God wasting his time by saying, be strong and very courageous? How often do you hear that in this book? You're going to hear it a lot more. It's because he was afraid. And his fear, you know, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. Certainly, perfect love casts out fear. We know that. We know it in theory. We know it in our heads, but oftentimes I don't know it in my heart. Perfect love casts out fear. That means fear is okay, but what do I do with that fear? Do I cower or do I pray? Do I seek the Lord's face? Do I wait on him? Do I see what he wants to do? Or do I pull out my visa card and fix the problem? I got this crisis. (laughs) My refrigerator busted. Oh, It's a really good one, too. And I don't have the money. I'll just put it on a credit card. Oh, thank you, God. Sometimes the great thing is waiting. There's nothing wrong with doing that, by the way, okay? Don't, don't take this weird in a weird way. But sometimes I think we act so soon before God even has an opportunity to do something. I wonder how often that we could afford to do something. And God says, why don't you just wait? Why don't you just seek my face and see what I'll do? And then the next day you get a call from a, a friend who works down at, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, some appliance place. Hey, I heard you had a refrigerator malfunction, and we just got one in that had a dent on it, and nobody wants it. It still works. You plug it in, it's working great. Do you want it? We have to get rid of it. Sure. Does it have ice in the door? Does it have water coming out the front door? Are the pieces really crushed and small, real, you know? Because if it's the cube kind, I'm going to have to pass. But if it's the real, you know, crunchy up stuff, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus. Be strong and very courageous. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Does that remind you of Psalm 1? Let me read Psalm 1 to you. It's a great psalm. God is telling him, 
that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate in it day and night. Do you meditate on the word of God? We, we don't meditate in the Eastern mysticism kind of thing where you fold your legs and get in the lotus position and, you know, do something dumb like that. No, we meditate on the word of God. We meditate, we think about his word, and we, we read it. We read it, and we consider it. We pray over it. We think of those things. Notice what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the, in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But here it is. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And see, that's where our hearts and our minds can be renewed, isn't it? When we, when we focus on Jesus, we focus on his word every day. It's important to do that, folks, because guess what? You're inundated. You're inundated by media every single day, and it's getting worse. In the last five years, in the last ten years, there have been more people that have lost their minds and are, are losing touch on reality because their minds are so occupied by news and so occupied by things going on that they can't handle it. And is it any surprise? Can any one of us handle all the input that's coming into our lives? Are we able to handle it? There's only one being that I know that can handle all things and, and, and have plenty of room to spare. And that's God himself. He is able. But man, I tell you what, the more we have these phones and things, and they can be great tools. I use them all the time. But boy, do we have to be careful because we're inundated. We're inundated. Spend more time in the Word of God than looking at news. Spend more time in the Word of God instead of watching the Hallmark Channel like we do. Spend more time in the Word. Spend more time in the Word. <laughs> but notice the condition that he has there in verse 8. That you may observe to do according to all that is written. The idea is if you observe to do according to all that is written, then what will happen? You'll be prosperous and have good success. Isn't that, isn't that the, 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 the sweet thing about the Lord? It's not just in the hearing, but it's in the doing of it. Because in the doing of it, there is rewards for obedience, isn't there? There's always rewards for obedience. And there's also rewards when we don't obey. And they're negative. But when we obey the Lord, there is blessings for obedience. Blessings for obedience. He says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then finally we get into... Uh, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. And this is really Joshua now, because God just spoke to Joshua all those words. And now Joshua is going to speak to now the officers of the, of the children of Israel, those who are leaders in those different tribes. And he's also going to be speaking to Reuben and Gad, those two tribes that were going to settle on the east. It says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Can you imagine how exciting that was? To think that God had, had been telling them this for hundreds of years, and finally, right now, the history is all coming to fruition. The promises are coming to fruition, and now here they are standing, and now they've got three days before they're going to cross over. Can you imagine the excitement of that? And also the fear, a lot of fear of the unknown. People are very fearful of the unknown. It's very normal, very natural, very human to be fearful of the unknown. But when God says, I've got you covered, i got you covered, I know exactly what's going to happen. And here's the game plan, folks. When you get into Jericho, 
you're not going to have to raise any bow and arrow and, and all that stuff. I want you to do something that you're going to freak out on. I, don't want, I want you to march around that city once every day for six days. Just march around it. On the seventh day, go around it seven times. And then at the opportune moment, give a shout. And the walls are going to come flat. And they're the inhabitants of Jericho. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.